Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Prem. This week on the show, we're exploring, is spirituality better than religion? We hear a lot of people use the language, I'm spiritual, not religious, as if somehow spirituality is superior to religion. Are they the same thing? Are they different? Is one better? I think it's going to be a great episode. So thanks for listening, and let's get into it. Before we start the show, I want to thank our sponsor, Minds Dye. Minds Dye makes custom-dyed fabrics made to order anything you like. You can check out Minds Dye on Instagram or go to their Etsy store today and get yourself a custom-dyed piece. I also want to let you know about a study, unique study travel retreat opportunity, five-day sadhanas soul sadness series we're calling it it's an opportunity to come down to our house that we call casa de la soul i know technically it should be casa del sol but we like the hip-hop group de la soul so it's a play on that who doesn't like de la soul and it's a big yellow house so you can come down to san pancho in nayarit spend five days practicing we'll do sadhana together every day there's opportunity for classes opportunities for surfing opportunity for beach time opportunity for reasoning and satsang and and exploring whatever topics you want to explore uh, it's going to be great it's going to be small groups of people consistently coming down and practicing with us so if that's something that you're interested in doing you could use a getaway and you really want to focus on you know your sadhana or you want to focus on your relaxation or you want to focus on both because both are essential uh, this is an opportunity to do it and we're getting going right away for details go to tiagoprem.com and you can see right on there all the details that you need uh, to come down and spend some time in the sand the surf the mexican food and a deeper study of your yoga practice All right. Well, I am really looking forward to today's topic. It's a continuation in our Sermon on the Mount series. And, you know, if you haven't listened to those, please do go back and listen to them. They're filled with great uh, insight and information. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who's reached out, whether it's through voice note or email or whatever uh, platform, uh, Instagram and said you've really been enjoying the series. Um, I've been enjoying it too. And I think today is going to be extra special, but I probably say that every week, um, only because I'm really personally benefiting through this deeper study uh, of this moment in, in Jesus's teaching. It's a profound moment of these spiritual teachings. And I just want to recap for those of you who haven't uh, listened to some of the previous episodes, What's happening in this particular uh, setting, you know, just before we get into the uh, philosophizing and the uh, deep spiritual sort of insights, uh, we want to look at the setting. And what's happening in the setting is that a mass of people have gathered from groups that don't necessarily get along with each other, okay? So there are people from uh, the Ten Cities in, in the Greek um, tradition or uh, culture, and then there are Hebrews, and then there are uh, 
prostitutes or sex workers, and then there are slaves, and there are people who have been recently healed from intense ailments. Uh, there are uh, people from Samaria who are looked down upon by the practitioners of the law at the time. Um, there are also people expecting to be healed who have tried everything to heal skin conditions, uh, mental conditions, um, cancers, whatever it might be, uh, alcoholism, all sorts of uh, challenges that we face today and some that maybe not in the same way because science has developed over time. But there's this mass group of people and a lot of them would not normally get along because they're from opposing groups and they have um, discrimination or previous judgments based on their family line and society and culture at the time. So there are a mass of them together um, seeking healing. So pretty interesting space for uh, this, these teachings to happen. And then what happens is, is that amongst the healing, and Jesus has healed some people, well, through their faith they've been healed, and he's the uh, facilitator or the vessel for that to occur. And then he goes up on the mountainside, and he is surrounded by his um, students or the people he's mentoring um, at the time, and he shares these insights that we've had access to for a long, long time, and they're filled with wisdom. Whether you are a believer or you classify yourself as a Christian or, or not or anything like that, I don't really use that language. I've struggled with it, and, and to be honest with you, like, or... or I mean, I'm always honest in these talks with you, but to be open and vulnerable with you is, is a more concise and precise choice of words. I love uh, Jesus and the wisdom of Jesus very deeply. For me, that is the essence of why I have a yoga practice. It is the essence of my recovery practice. It is the essence of why I teach. He's an embodiment of that and probably you know, the best example from my life personally. And I've struggled with feeling ashamed because of my relationship to that, uh, or I wouldn't be accepted, or it didn't fit into the yoga realm, or I would be judged by other Christians because of the way that I teach, or whatever it might be. And, and now I'm starting to realize, like, maybe Jesus himself wouldn't have been happy about the term Christian. I'm not sure. I don't know. And so I'm just saying, you don't have to be that. <laughs> you don't have to classify yourself as that. And if you do classify yourself as that, and, and you feel at home in that and inspired by that, then I want to celebrate that with you. I love Jesus. I am a devotee of Jesus. I don't know what the terminology to describe what I am. Even yogi, I'm like kind of, I don't know, weaver of wisdom. I like that. So anyways, just a little processing to get started. But the, the, uh, we've set the setting and we've said this is for everybody, no matter what you believe. And I hope you've made it this far. And if you haven't, then I love you I, and I bless you and all the best in your endeavors. <laughs> and if you're still with me, thank you for being here. I, I think it's really important. Um, my partner just sent me something that she saw on social media I think it was in Denmark where they have, instead of just signing up books in the library, 
you can look at a label that we give to people like refugee or uh, non-binary or, um, you know, Buddhist or whatever, you know, Muslim or uh, anything, environmentalist. Like, I'm not really sure because I haven't experienced this, but the idea was to give uh, some kind of word that we use to define someone and then you could choose that word and then you would sit with them for half an hour and listen to their life story i think that's so cool and i think what we often do during this time is that we we are so wrapped up in our views and opinions around something that's special to us whether it's yoga whether it's the bible whether it's our activism whether it's our sexuality, how we identify, and like whatever it is. And then, you know, we are so wrapped up in that that we end up in these opposing, conflicting relationships where if you can't see me or hear me for who I am, then I don't have any time to listen to you and vice versa. I don't understand where you're coming from, and so I don't have any time to listen to you. And then we get into all of these curmudgeon-y, um, friction-y. Uh, we disconnect from the heart, essentially. And you know that's what these teachings are really all about. And I think it's okay to ask questions, and I think it's okay to doubt, and to be open about your doubt. And, and can we learn to really listen to each other? And, and that's the thing about the reason I'm doing this series is not so that more people follow Jesus. That's not what I'm interested in at all. What I'm interested in is can we access the wisdom of these teachings that in my personal opinion from years of dealing with doubt and faith and, and learning different traditions and, and huffing and puffing and, and getting sober and uh, have experiencing recovery from drugs and alcohol and being through divorce and all of the challenges that I've had in life, realizing that there's something in the the uh, New Testament in the Bible and in many other teachings, but today we're talking about this. There's something in there, some wisdom in there that will that can that has the uh, capability to open our hearts and minds to be present, to really listen. That's why I'm doing this. So there you go. So let's start it off here, and uh, I'll read the passage. So I'm reading uh, from the Bible in the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version. I've really been enjoying this one lately. Uh, Matthew, okay, and uh, this is in chap uh, chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And here's what he said. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. So the law meaning the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Okay, That would be considered the law for Jews at the time, Jewish people or the Hebrews of the time. I have not come to abolish the law or the prophets. So these are the other books that you read, you know, in, in the, what we call the Old Testament, you know writings of Isaiah, etc. So I've not come to abolish the law or the pro uh, prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill the law and the prophets, the words of the prophets. 
For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away. This is an interesting comment. But I thought heaven was a place that people go if they're uh, saved at the time of the apocalypse and will be forever in eternal uh, blissfulness. So, but if it's eternal, how does it pass away? Hmm. Interesting. And we're not going to go there today, but something for your own personal reflection. If you've known people who are really uh, fundamentalists saying like, oh, no, it's eternal. I wonder what it means by pass away. Anyhow, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Hmm. wonder what that means. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, we've heard this. Okay? Follow, it sounds on the surface like he's saying, follow the rules uh, and follow the commandments and, and make sure you encourage other people to do that too, because if you don't, you are going to be penalized. Or maybe it means that you will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. It makes you think about, oh, but what was he saying about blessed are the meek? Are those the lesser? Is that what he's referring to? Wait a second here. A little deeper dive, right? And he goes on to say, whoever does them, so keeps Whoever keeps the, the law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, okay, scribes and Pharisees, these are the, these are the real like religious right here, as we've discussed. So the ones who uphold the dogma, okay? Unless your righteousness exceeds those who uphold the dogma, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. So the ones that are not keeping the law that he's come to fulfill will be lesser. The ones who keep the law that he's come to fulfill will be great. And then if your righteousness does not exceed that of the ones who uh, hold the dogma, you will never even enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. So I think the question is, is like, okay, we're going to explore a little bit of the law today, the law of the time that he's referring to. And we're also going to explore... What does it mean when he says, I'm here to fulfill that law, to embody? When you hear the word fulfill, what does that make you think? Say it out loud wherever you're listening uh, right now, whether you're in your car or in the subway or walking down the road by yourself. Say it out loud. What does fulfill mean? I'll give you a moment. Say it out loud. Okay, good. I'm, I hope you did that. <laughs> And I hope you got some interesting looks wherever you are. Okay, so here's where I want to start. I want to start early on in the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, we are called to do something very specific early on in the scripture. And this is what we're called to be. 
stewards of the earth. What does it mean to steward something? It means that you're not an owner of it. You are a caretaker. And we've tried and we've tried and we've tried to own the earth and own people and own and Lord above and all of this. And early on, we're, we're reminded in the scripture that we're to be stewards of the earth. And what I take from this is that our relationship with the soil is a very important relationship. And if we don't take care, if we don't do our job, then the chances of, it, of us experiencing some kind of apocalypse are very high. And often if you talk to somebody who is a fundamentalist Christian, meaning that they believe that the Bible is ineffable and to be taken literally. So when I say ineffable, I mean there's no error in it, which is an absurd thing because the whole Bible is a series of books and, and letters that are, is filled with people who make mistakes and then they find redemption in their mistake because they've been distracted by the devil or ego. And then they ask for forgiveness. And then they find them themselves back on track. I mean, that's the general theme of the whole experience. So how could that be ineffable? I mean, maybe the forgiveness is ineffable. Like there's no... It's pure in its forgiveness, and then that's the God part. But the writing, I mean, these are real people with real problems, and they're being written down. So anyways, um, so then we think, okay, well, if we're talking about some kind of apocalypse, like if, if you look at the teachings of Jesus, you go, well, he doesn't really talk about a burning down of the earth. You know, he doesn't... Talk about like we're all going to be struck down as we hear uh, uh, often in the Old Testament. But what he does talk about is the renewal of this earth where we live right now. The restoration of this earth. The redeeming of this earth. The resurrection of this earth. Making things right here. That the kingdom is within you. That your uh, royalty, your sense of sovereignty, it's your birthright. <laughs> and he calls us to anticipate this day of heaven on earth, so to say, by you participating in that now, today. And so if we just get, you know, kind of get a little less religious-y about it and a little more practical, you see, like, if you show up in your relationship to the earth in a way that is kind and caring, then your experience on the earth will be more heaven-like. And if you exploit the earth, if you exploit your neighbor, if you only look out for yourself and don't see yourself in the other, then you will experience the opposite of that. That's what I take from that. So we're being called to be stewards of the earth. And 
you know, then there are these laws, and there are many, many, many laws. I mean, the, the Bible is full of laws. I think that I can understand why some people are put off by it, because they think that's what it's about. It's about if you follow the laws, then you're good, and you get the gold star. And if you don't follow the laws, then you're bad, and you get the uh, eternal damnation. I mean, this is just such a simple, uh, ignorant way of looking at this incredibly profound book of uh, wisdom in my personal humble opinion you know I could be wrong uh, as well so let's I thought just for fun <laughs> is this what your idea of fun is to uh, take a look at um, the Ten Commandments isn't that fun? Let's take a look at the Ten Commandments. That sounds like a fun thing. And we'll kind of go through them, and I'll sort of share my experience uh, through practice, and maybe we'll inspire something in you. And then we'll uh, move through a process of awakening together by the grace of God, who is love. All right. So first of all, uh, there's, I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. You shall not make thyself any graven image, nor the likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath, nor of those things that are in the waters under the earth. You shall not adore them or serve them. Now, this is pretty interesting, considering I just went through what it means to be a steward of the earth. But a steward of the earth doesn't mean to uh, worship the earth. A steward means to take care of the earth and to not put anything above you. You are The earth is not above you, nor is it beneath you. It is who you are. You, your body is made of earth. Your body is made of water. And what's happening in this time during the Bible is, is that people are creating these, you know, statues or whatever they might be and placing them up and having people pray to the statue as if this statue is going to save you from whatever calamities that you and your friends and family are experiencing at the time. And there were a lot of calamities. <laughs> I mean, there's still a lot of calamities because people lose sight of who they are and they place things above them or they place, when I say things, I mean living entities of which they are made above them or beneath them. And when you do this, you will suffer. And we've experienced this in so many ways, whether it's with a guru or the exploitation of the earth's resources or, you know, whatever might be, uh, pornography, or, um, you know, I can't relax unless I have a drink, or, uh, you know, needing to be constantly entertained, or these are all forms of idolatry. They're all forms of forgetting who you are, which essentially, you know, bring the brightness down on this because I think the sun is a little cloudy this morning. Ah, it's still bright and shiny, but it's not bothering Charlie, so that's good. If you're watching on video, you could see Charlie's having a nice rest here with me. 
idolatry, we get this idea that like, you know, oh, there's a an image of the dancing Shiva, and so then therefore that is a form of idolatry, and uh, it's the devil, and but even that mentality is uh, ego-based mentality. Idolatry means to place something above who you really are, to place something above God. You know, and I heard uh, a teacher that I really like listening to recently, he was giving this comparison where he said, um, oh, I hear people say like that they are God or God is within them, and if that's the case, then why don't they just grant all of their wishes and then what they would say is true. Well, the problem with a comment like this is that God is not the granter of wishes. It's God is not Santa Claus. It's not like, you know, oh, I acknowledge the divinity within me, and so now I can have anything I want whenever I want, and I can grant all my wishes. It's not a fairy godmother. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about seeing the sacredness in all of life. Seeing the oneness in all of life. In the joy, in the tree, in the design of the leaf, in the soil that you are stewarding, in the animal, in the sunset, in the cells in your skin, in, in your children, in the children all over the world, in, you know, and it's all sacred. We practice idolatry when we say that some aspects of that are greater than others or less than others. When we go into that way of thinking and behaving and being on the planet, uh, we oppress, exploit, take, cause excess harm. We know that harm is inevitable because death will always come and we will mourn and we'll feel sad and we'll experience disease and that's the fragility of life. But even in that, there's beauty. And idolatry could even be like, when I'm healthy, then praise God, but when I'm sick, then curse you, God. That is also a form of idolatry. When, when really, when we, when we hold God at the center of it all, we trust that whatever comes is as it should be. And that's a challenging cup to swallow. I was going to say pill, but that's loaded with a whole other conversation. You see, the idolatry is to, to place something above your relationship to the oneness. And that's an illusion. That's caused by ego, a.k.a. devil. You with me? Okay. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does that mean? I remember as a kid, like, it was like don't say the word Jesus as a swear word. Again, this is too simple. Okay? Because for a kid like me, when someone said don't do that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do that because I like the reaction that I get when I do that. <laughs> But there's no depth to it. It's just a child's game. Okay? What I'm saying here is that let's go a little deeper. What does it mean to take the name of God in vain? It means that you're, you're not 
you're no longer acknowledging the the immense depth of the wonders of oneness. You're not in awe of it. You're speaking in a way that cheapens it. Your your frequency becomes one of like uh, entitlement, or you take. Uh, the wonders of this life for granted, the wonders of this breath for granted, the wonders of being alive here in this moment, and you just write it off as like, well, who cares? Whatever. With, you, with your own life and experience. And generally, when we behave that way, we don't have gratitude for our life. It's because the pain and suffering that we're experiencing has become too much to bear, and instead of handing it over with reverence, Ishvara Pranidhana, instead of surrendering, we choose to say, curse, curse this experience, curse the pain, curse the injustice. And when we curse instead of bless, it creates, it's a frequency. Are you going to bless or curse? If I bless you, what frequency does that create in your life? And out of that frequency grows, you know, your participation in the world. If I curse you, what frequency does that cultivate? And that frequency is your participation in the world. And that goes out and uh, in influences the whole. So what, how do we practice that? How do we fulfill that law? We're constantly looking for the grace of God. We're constantly going, wow, this is really hard for me to bear, but I'm trusting that my beloved has some lesson for me here, some opportunity for me to serve, to grow, to step more fully into my purpose, to love more deeply. That's oneness with God, to love more deeply. Then uh, remember to keep the holy and Sabbath day. Take time to rest and reflect. It's very important. You know, take time to rest and reflect. Take a pause to say thank you. That's what the Sabbath is all about. Take a pause to say thank you amongst the busyness of your living. Because if you don't take the pause, chances are you won't notice the wonders around you and you'll start to place things above you, like money, status, followers on social media, blah, 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 blah. Take a pause to say thank you. Honor your father and your mother. Yes, honor your biological parents. And, and even if they didn't, even if they harmed you, can you come to a place, and this may be a process, where you can acknowledge they did the best they can and you can forgive them whether they're present physically for, the, for that or not. And then you can, that helps to heal the line. And also recognize that the relationship to the father and the mother is a connection to the earth. You know, in the time of biblical times, they thought that the baby was born of the, the man, 
because the man had to be with the woman and then because the man was with the woman then the baby was born the baby doesn't get born without the man so let's all celebrate the man and not celebrate the mother and then that's been going on for thousands of years that uh, form of idolatry has impacted the way that we see the world. But then because of science, we recognize that the mother is very, very, very important for the birth of anything, the prakriti, the life force, the mother nature. And it's left out of a lot of these teachings. And then we have the tendency to go, oh, well, it was left out. Well, then it's all nonsense and we don't want anything to do with that. And then we go all, oh, we'll go way over to the other side. And eventually it's going to bring us back to balance. That's the nature of honoring your father and your mother. That's the purusha or the consciousness or God or whatever you want to call it. And the prakriti, the mother earth, they are in relationship together. And when we have a relationship with the Father or the Purusha or the Consciousness, and we are stewarding, we are serving the Mother, in doing so, we experience a heaven on earth. I and the Father are one. I and the Mother are one. I'm made of that in this body. Honor your Father and your Mother, the pairs of opposites. The sun and the moon. Not worshiping the sun, because then that becomes idolatry. The sun and the moon go together. You with me? The seed grows to grow the plant, and then the plant can be nourishment for your body, and then that dies and becomes the next thing. It's all these relationships of father and mother, and we honor that. And it comes in many different forms and experiences, these two energies working together for creation to exist honor that that goes back to being a good steward and then you know this is where we get into the reverence for life aspects and reverence for others thou shalt not kill you know we, we recognize that we are going to cause some kind of pain in our lives and that we're going to have to eat and things are going to have to die and there's a sadness that comes along with that that's reverent and we also recognize that it's part of life. But we don't, we have a reverence for life where we don't just say, who cares? Or it's all about me. As long as I feel comfortable, good, and safe, then who cares? We honor life all around us, the sacredness all around us, and walk as softly as we can. Not, and when I say softly, that doesn't mean weak. To... <laughs> To really love, it requires a great strength. That's why Jesus is this great example where it's like he is charged as a criminal, dies a violent death as a criminal for the crime of loving the oppressed, of loving the marginalized, of inviting them in and challenging the religious establishment of the time and is put to death for that and does not... Uh, change his tune, lie, hide. He just says, if this is what you have for me, then I guess this is what you need to wake up. God, please take this from me if you can, because this is a lot and it's going to be painful and I don't really want to do this. But if this is what is necessary, then this is what we, this is where we go. I trust you. 
And then, as I mentioned, this reverence follows from there, right? Do not steal. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Tell the truth. Invite people into truth with your presence. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. These are like the uh, Ashtanga Yoga, Patanjali's, right? Don't practice generosity. Do not hoard things. You, you know, don't practice comparison. Oh, I wish I had so-and-so's life. You're, that's idolatry. Recognize the, the sacredness of who you are. Don't cover, covet your neighbor's goods. I mean, you all know this stuff, right? So to fulfill the law, if we look at all of this, just like my teacher is always saying, as long as you practice compassion and Ishvara Pranidhana, which means surrender to God, all the rules and laws and things you're supposed to do, they'll be taken care of. Well, Jesus is essentially saying the same thing here. Look at, at, look at all the laws. There's so many laws. Like, I mean, the, the Christians later on argue about whether somebody who becomes a Christian uh, needs to be circumcised or not, or can, do they have to eat according to the dietary laws of Jews. And people argue, and who's right, and who's wrong, and who's this, and who's that. And, you know, that's happening in the time of Jesus with the Pharisees as well. Oh, he's, he's healed someone on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath as if the healing is the law. And Jesus essentially says, like, is it more important that you follow the rules, or is it more important that you see this other person with compassion and provide a space for them to step into healing by their own faith? Isn't that what the laws are there to support? That's the fulfillment of the law. The fulfillment of the law is, are you following rules or are you choosing love? Are you following the social uh, obligations of the time or are you choosing love? Are you following the dogma of the yoga path or the dogma of the religion you subscribe to or the dogma of the culture that you're born into or are you choosing love? Because at the core of those rules and dogmas and scriptures and all the things that we do, practices, it's all about love. The fulfillment of the law is it's all about love. And this is not just an opinion. It's the, we're talking JC here. We're talking Jesus. And he says the same thing. Here's uh, Matthew 22, 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? be important the greatest one he says jesus said unto him thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind that's ishvara pranidhana in yoga this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself this is exactly what we described in the ten commandments um, concentrated into sutra form. What is the most important thing? Love God. Who's God? God is love. Okay, love, love. Love creator as love. Love the mother as love. All of life, the oneness. And how do you practice that? See it all around you and participate in it in that way. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and 
the prophets. I've come to fulfill, to be an embodiment of love, to reveal why are those laws there in the, per, in the first place? Why did the prophets say what they say in the first place? It was about love. And people have, people have seen this over and over and over and tried to find some way to, you know, use. It's kind of, let's think about it like this. It's like you hear a story, and in the story, the, there's a person who has all these uh, character flaws. They're not living in integrity. Maybe they're, they're successful, uh, but they're manipulating people. They're ripping people off. They're doing all of this thing, these things. And uh, it makes them really powerful. And then maybe they get, they get sick or something awful happens to them. They, get, they lose all their money and, or, or something like that, okay? And, um, and then in, in their, you know, their suffering, they have an awakening. And the awakening is they go, I was really wrong. I shouldn't have behaved like that. I want to make things right. And so they seek to make amends. And then in them seeking to make amends, people see or experience this aspect of their character, them choosing love, them choosing to be in integrity, them choosing truth. And they're inspired by that. Okay, they're inspired by that. And they think this is a great story. Like you've heard these stories many, many times over and over. Somebody, you know, has a hard life. Something happens, it wakes them up, and then they become this version of themselves that was always there in the first place, but they forgot. The primordial cause of disease is forgetting who you are. They forgot, and then by the grace of God, which is love and a commitment to forgive and a commitment to love thy neighbor and to make things right, they step into this fuller, brighter version of themselves. They are reborn. They are regenerated. They change their ways. They change their relationship to the earth. They change their relationship to other people. You're inspired by that, then they write it down. And then somebody comes along throughout the point of history and, and they see this great story and they see that people really believe in this story. And so they take a snapshot of the story where the person is really doing harm and then they take the harm that they are doing and they amplify that to serve their purpose rather than the healing part, rather than the commitment to do better and how they did better. And then they, they use that to manipulate people and, and make them feel small so that they don't see this other great reward, which is their birthright. You see what I'm saying? And then if enough people do that, then cynics, human cynics, will go, well, I don't want anything to do with that. All, all these people are doing is, is using these stories, and they haven't even heard the story because they didn't get to the end because the people who were manipulating the stories for so long, they go, like, all this is is for control. It's a bunch of bullshit, and I don't want anything to do with it. So you end up with these manipulative believers, and then you end up with these uh, doubters who are missing out on the wisdom of these great stories. You see what I'm saying? And so then we don't learn anything because we're not seeing the whole story and the Bible is filled with these stories and spirituality is filled with these stories and religion is filled with these stories. And this is where we go, these people are saying religion is bad and these people are saying my religion is the only way, this is the only way and have a history of manipulating others. Not everybody, 
because there are people who see the whole picture, and those are the ones who are really seeing, as Jesus said, you will do even greater things than I did. And these are the ones who are out there being inspired by for, through multiple traditions, including the Bible, including praise and uh, worship music, including yoga, including struggling with their doubt and cynicism on both sides of this experience— they're, ex they're going, wow, this, this awakening could be real. And usually they're experiencing that because they have experienced that in and of themselves. And they may kind of go to, they may have spent time in, in both ends of this particular scenario. I certainly did. I didn't want anything to do with religion, and I thought this is all nonsense. But I was open to the possibility that there was some wisdom there. And so I said, religion, no. Spirituality, yes. That was me over here in the cynicism side. And then there was also me over here on the side where it's like, you must do this. You must practice in this way. You must do it like this. And if you don't, and mostly it was because <laughs> I was afraid that if I didn't do that, I wouldn't experience the healing. Sound familiar? If you don't do that, you will go to hell and you will suffer do 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 do. And if you, you know, you see what I'm saying, right? So is religion less than spirituality? Is spirituality more? They're the same thing. But it's about are you having a whole pictured view driven by love and a commitment to love your neighbor as yourself? And I know it's hard because some people are hard to love, including ourselves. But if that's your commitment, you're fulfilling the law and the purpose of religion and spirituality. So one is not better or worse. They are the same. They are the same. But we have to learn how to, who we are in relationship to them. Because to fulfill the law means to choose love over rules. Choose, law, choose love over rules. And the Bible is filled with people who forget to do this. Like, it's almost like the purpose of the Bible is to go, look at all of these people who made mistakes and look at how they found resolution, regeneration, resurrection, reclamation. Right? You know, like King Solomon. David and Solomon, people were living in slavery. The, uh, you know, Israel was living in slavery for so long. And all they wanted was a, a king, like the people who lorded over them, to call their own. And they would act in a way that was just and looked out for the good of all. And Solomon was said to be the wisest man in the world. And what happened? He fell into the same kind of exploitation and built an empire that had within it this kind of exploitation. And if you read through the Bible and really read it, not just formulate opinions, but really read it, you see that when someone stops caring for the widow, when someone stops caring for the orphan, when someone stops caring for the immigrant, in your circle, especially as a leader, that means your circle is really big, a political leader, that is going to lead to the diminishment of your empire. It will crumble. The Bible, uh, like Rob Bell, great scholar and teacher, a big fan. If you haven't checked out his book, What is the Bible? I highly recommend it. He said, the Bible is a relentless critique of empire building. And yet, empires continue to be built on this promise of, well, the Bible told us so, and God is 
know, and that's you're not seeing the whole picture. It says over and over and over, when God is angry, the writers are writing about God being angry. They keep going back to the fact that you, God is angry because the people have turned their back on God. And how have they turned their back on God, a.k.a. love? They have forgotten to love those who maybe are defenseless. They've forgotten to love those who need help. They've forgotten to love those who are marginalized. They've forgotten to love. They've gotten good at following rules or they've placed other things above love. You know, whether it's reli religiosity or dogma or greed or, uh, you know, sexu sexual exploitation or... And then we've turned that into sex is bad. I mean, it just keeps happening over and over and over. They're perversions. And when I say perversion, all I mean is that it's out of alignment with love. It's not about the rules. It's about love. I think I've been clear on that. Just before I come to the end here, let's take a little break. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. It's a great honor to have you as a listener and a, a watcher of the show. Uh, I want to just let you know about some shifts and changes that are going to happen with the show. So podcast version going to continue to come out on Friday. You can get it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to the show. If you love the show, please rate it, review it, share it with your friends. Then on Sunday, a YouTube video is going to come out on a specific topic. And you can check that out by going to the Revealing the Diamond YouTube and checking out the topics. I think it's going to be a great way to really invite people into this work, these, this study that we've been doing. So stay tuned for that. Friday podcast, Sunday the YouTube. If you want to meditate with me, you can find me on the Insight Timer. If you want to spend time in person, I am teaching in person again. But you got to come to San Pancho unless you want to do one-on-one -on -one distant work. I'm really, really, really interested right now in taking in people who are committed to study and committed to doing this work. So come and hang out in Mexico or let's let's get into like, you know, connecting on a regular basis every day if we need to. You know, get into a program like that. If that speaks to you, you can find out anything you need to know about these programs by emailing me at tiagaprem at tiagaprem.com. I can tell you all about it. Or look at the website, tiagaprem.com. Episodes of the show on Fridays, new YouTube videos on Sundays, and there you have it. So just to what I was saying before the break, the scriptures are there so that we learn from our mistakes. They're not there for us to take a little piece of something and go, Oh, this is the word of God. This is pe real people who are experiencing the world around them, who have real problems, and then they, they recognize that the calling of God, who is love, is to stop exploiting the earth and people around you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. The scriptures are there to correct that behavior, to reveal to us what we've been doing over and over and over and over throughout time. 
forgetting who we are, which is the cause of disease, and then the awakening, heaven on earth, the kingdom within you, oneness with God, whatever language you want to use, comes from remembering who you are. So when you sin, go off the track of who it is that you were born to be, which is made in the image of God, who is love. You've heard this in previous episodes. Then you repent, which means do what you have to do to get back on track, make amends, get right with the earth, get right with love, get right with your neighbor. When I say get right, I'm not talking about uh, any kind of holier than thou righteousness, but right by getting in alignment with love, in alignment with God's will for your life, and then in doing so, you will be born again. You will be uh, that version of yourself that you were born to be. This is the fulfillment of the law. Oh, but, you know, all that stuff. Oh, you have to be circumcised or not circumcised, or you have to eat this or not eat this, or if, or if you're a this, then you can't do that. And if you're... All that stuff is about love and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the fulfillment of the law. Love people, see God in them. Love the animals, see God in them. Love the soil, be a good steward of the earth. If you fail to show up for your mission, you will experience greater suffering. And you can always make it right. You can always get back on track. But it's about your participation, your willingness to show up and serve, your willingness to invite the ones that you may feel are opposed to the law in. Well, everybody, everybody is born in original blessing, but except for that person. And we're doing it all the time. I, I'm watching Christians like dumping on new age people in the name of god really that's in the name of love that's what that's how you inspire love by telling people what's wrong with them <laughs> i mean what and then the other way too oh well i'm spiritual not religious i'm all about the love and i'm looking for the love everywhere i can and I'm looking for the people who saw the whole story, who went through the pain and the suffering and the doubt and the death and the disease and the uh, greed and the corruption and the lying and the addiction and the all, whatever it is, they went through it. They exploited the earth. They exploited their neighbor. They caused all of this pain and suffering. And then it doesn't stop there. They had some awakening a calling, they experienced a calling, the call of God, the call of love, the call of this isn't the path that I have for you, this isn't the life that I've called you to. And it comes in many forms and traditions. And then with the calling comes an initiation. And the initiation is something is guiding you. The wisdom of the scriptures, the wisdom of an elder, the wisdom of a practice, the wisdom of, and, and then when we're in the initiation, we start to idolize the initiation. Oh, it's the techniques. Oh, it's the philosophy. Oh, it's the dogma. Oh, it's the religion. Oh, it's the rules. Oh, it's this form of yoga and not that form of yoga. It's this belief system and not that belief system. It's, and we create this hierarchy, idolatry, in the initiation. 
And what's required is we keep practicing, and through the practicing, we realize that it's love driving and guiding so that we can go through our doubts and we can go through our... We just backslide into uh, judgment. We backslide into criticism. We say the, a harmful thing. We, we go into exploiting other people. We forget about love. We forget about God. Right? But if we just keep turning up, I'm sorry, I, I forgot about you. I'm going to give it all I can again. That's grace. And you show up and you cultivate and you till the soil and you're looking for love everywhere as best you can and you're learning from your mistakes. And in doing so, you become the fulfillment of the law. Heaven exists here now. And I think when he says, when the earth and the heaven pass away, I think what that means is that our relationship to the hierarchy, here's the good and here's the bad, you get this, I don't get that, they get this, they don't get, all of that stuff dissolves. And we are in this state of oneness. And it comes out of care. And it comes out of compassion. And it comes out of forgiveness and working through our stuff and recognizing the other person as you. And a commitment to be in the wonder of what it is to breathe and be alive and recognize that sameness in the, what appears to be the other. Love the Lord your God. Love, love with all of your heart to the best of your ability according to your conditions. And the way you do that is a commitment to love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? The earth. Who's your neighbor? The water. Who's your neighbor? The breath. Who's your neighbor? The animals. Who's your neighbor? The person down the street. Who's your neighbor? The corrupt politician. Who's your neighbor? The religious leader who fell from grace. Who's your neighbor? The new age people who are saying things that you don't believe in. Who's your neighbor? The fundamentalist Christian who's choosing not to love other people. Who's your neighbor? Todos, everybody. We've got work to do. And so it is. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Love y'all. Love y'all neighbors so much. And uh, keep listening. Keep in touch. If you love the show, please give us a five-star review. Share with your friends. And uh, come down for one of these Soul Series sadhanas so we can be together in practice in person. Bless you. <laughs>